On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Space Owl. He has got a new EP called Falling from Infinity, and the current single is Digital Breathing. It's got a pretty amazing video that talks about, I think, where humanity is headed with a lot of technology mixed in. So we're going to talk about that. And my biggest question, where the name Space Owl came from. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Um... I guess Space Owl became as a way for me to, um, I don't know, be something more than I, I felt I was at the time. Something that I could um, feel like it's my maximum potential, um, mm -hmm. I guess. I like that. Well, in this day and age, it, it seems like every band name has been taken. You know, if you do a Google search and it just, you know, somewhere on this planet, someone's going to already have the name you want. But what's so clever about your name in space, instead of the letter A, you have the numeral eight, which I think is so catchy. Uh, how did you think of doing that? Um, I like the idea that eight, you know, sideways is uh, the infinity sign. Um, mm -hmm. So I kind of wanted to tie that in and then that kind of tied into the the space out logo when we were coming up with, when I was coming up with the idea for that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where that came from. Okay. Well, I was reading your bio on your website and you say that you have a lot of bird activity behind your house. And like when you're working on your music late into the night, these night owls are there in the, in the background. Do you kind of feel like this is like your spirit animal? Yeah, I mean, at first, uh, when I was doing music, it was up in my room. I had a smaller studio, and I had a big window, and I would have it open. And uh, a lot of times at night, at first, I would hear um, barn owls, um, <clears throat> mainly. And I think at first, it was a way for me to... Well, how should I say this? At first, it was a little hard for me to almost um, give myself credit for the things that I was creating. Um, and this was a way to kind of like almost detach myself from the music and make it into something that I felt more comfortable uh, kind of expressing myself through. Mm -hmm. You know, I've never seen an owl in real life. You know, I've, you know, you watch National Geographic and you see these videos. I think it'd be so cool to actually see one. Is it just uh, you in an area that has more owls than normal? Yeah, I mean, uh, normally when I'm here, I, I hear them. A lot of times you see them say, like, if you're driving or if you're, um, you know, outside. They, they are, you know, very elusive most times. So a lot of times it's that I'm hearing them more than I'm actually seeing them. Okay. Well, what part of the country do you live in? I live in uh, Petaluma, California, which is uh, north of San Francisco in the wine country. Oh, okay. So... If you keep driving north, do you hit, like, the Redwoods? Oh, yeah. One of my favorite places. See, that would be a cool place for you to get inspired. You know, the old trees, just the massive nature. I mean, are you inspired by things like that? Oh, most definitely. The two places I go to the most for that are the ocean and the Redwoods. Um, I kind of go back and forth between which one I go to. Um, I probably, to be honest, I live a little closer to um, the ocean. So a lot of times I'll just take like a 20, 25 minute drive, you know, go out to the water, take some deep breaths sometimes, not even stay up a real long time. Sometimes it's just to get that kind of refreshing energy and feeling that the ocean gives me. 
um, come back. And a lot of times I feel, you know, a lot more creative, a lot more free mentally, I guess. Well, I see you describe your music as transcendental EDM, which I think is very fitting, but it makes me think of a, a lot of the ambient um, electronica of the 80s and 90s. Like, you know, I guess back in my day, you know, it was called chill out, you know, down tempo or even like trance music. Yeah. So like, like which of those old school uh, music do you get inspired by? Uh Definitely. I mean, a lot of this stuff really in the 80s was so diverse. I think, um, you know, The Cure was big for me. Um, who else? I mean, huh, it's hard to say. I think um, I, I've i listened to a lot of music during that time. And um, some of it was music that my sister was playing and things like that. And I just kind of tried to absorb that stuff i guess as i was growing up mm -hmm. well when you think of edm you think of more up tempo so it's interesting to hear that in this very chill you know relaxing mode are you conscious of of you know your, your bpms you know that you know you're you're not going high energy all the time you know is that kind of a challenge in the edm world to just bring the beats per minute down yeah, I think sometimes uh, when there's something that seems to have somewhat of a formula, uh, when you try to break away from it, you hope that people will go along with it and still um, resonate with it. I think sometimes um, my music is made very much on what mood or what kind of energy I'm in at the moment. I think that's kind of why it can vary so much is because uh, I, I, my emotional energy can go up and down a lot, even just in, like, say, a single day. Mm -hmm. Well, when I was listening to Digital uh, Breathing, which, you know, had this very, you know, electronic sound, but then I heard, like, a trumpet in it. And it's really interesting to hear, um, you know, some acoustic sounds along with the electronic. Yeah, I think one thing I always try to do is I try to keep my mind open to not really conform to any rules per se. I, my main thing that I try to do is if what it sounds like to me, like what my ear hears. And if that takes me in maybe some different directions, um, I'm usually pretty willing to do that. I, I like exploring and I like kind of trying new things and seeing something that maybe I've never tried before or seems like a new idea. That's part of why music is so enjoyable to me because it's it's limitless possibilities with all the new sounds and virtual instruments and instruments that are all being created. It's like now you have such a palette, you know, that you can choose from in making music that some aren't instruments at all, but sounds or, you know, effects and things like that. And I like being able to add that stuff. I like trying to build a narrative through sound. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the artist Robert Miles? He was big in the 90s. He was like a DJ turned producer. No, and that big hit, familiar. The Children. Okay. Because it was interesting is he started out pretty up-tempo. And I think by his second album and third, uh, started going a lot more experimental, you know, not confined by the dance beat. And and he had one song that had a, a trumpet like that. And it really made me think of that. It really evoked that 
So do you feel really open to that evolution? You know, now that you, you know, have this whole EP under your belt, do you think, wow, you know, I'm not constrained by, you know, pop radio dance EDM? I, I mean, I try not to be. I, I try to um, bring pieces of me into it. I guess all the artists that I, you know, tended to really resonate with um, were super unique and they kind of evolved and so did their sound, like, say, Bowie or Peter Gabriel or, you know, uh, even like James Brown, I think of, and, you know, Aretha Fred, people that, like, throughout their career, you kind of grow with them. Um, and I've always really, really kind of felt connected to artists like that. Mm -hmm. All right. Now I'm going to really tell you how old I am by this next reference. And then tell me, at least you know this one. Herb Alpert. I think so. Okay. It used to be Herb Alpert in the Tijuana Brass. But I think in, in the late 70s, he did, a, I guess it was a dance-oriented album even though it was still pretty mellow. And your song, Digital Breathing, it, it reminded me of a song he did called Rotation. Okay. You got some stuff very... I'm going to have to look up when we're done with this call. Well, well, when we're done with this, look up Rotation because, you know, Herb Alpert was a trumpet player. Oh, okay. And so a lot of it is solo trumpet, but it's almost like, almost like, you know, this song slowed, like a dance song on Quaaludes, you know, really slowed <laughs> down and trippy and then this echoey trumpet and very ethereal oh, okay. so i think you, you would especially like that but i know a lot of uh you know people of your generation are you know they're sampling a lot of music but they're also just listening to okay how do i break down what they were doing back in the 80s yeah. so when you're listening to these songs you've been talking about or these artists do you really break it down in your head like the instrumentation and just the you know, synth sounds they were creating? Yeah, definitely. I also um, have been listening to a lot of stuff in the 80s, and it seems like uh, there was a lot of really, really good mixing and mastering that went on in the 80s, like uh, where the sound just seemed so incredibly full and lush. Um, and so I try to listen to all those kind of aspects, the instrumentation down to, you know, kind of how it is also mixed and mastered. Mm -hmm. See, back in the 80s, there was a catch-all term called New Age Music. Okay. Yeah. And it, was, and it was so broad because, you know, they could call a lot of different things New Age. You know, everything from almost bordering on jazz to dance music to, you know, solo flute and, you know, ambient mm. drums and different things. It's just a huge catch-all. But it seems like that's where a lot of uh, Synthesizer-based music fell into that category. When you're like going through and, and discovering new things, do you ever come across that term? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, it, and you're right; it does seem to it did seem to encompass just so much. Um, it almost seemed like there were a bunch of um, genres that kind of got born from that broader genre. Mm -hmm. So within the things that are, you know, like the classic new age of the 80s, are there any favorites of yours? Hmm. God, I'm trying to think. Sometimes when I try to think of this, it's like you think of so many things that they all get cluttered in your mind. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, now it'll probably be at midnight tonight in bed. You'll think, oh, you'll remember a hundred of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's also cool that you, um, you know, made a video to Digital Breathing. And uh, you did some really, I think, interesting things with it. You know, you have a theme to it. You know, what I got out of it was almost like this transhumanism, biotech, robotics, you know, is that where your mind is right now? Is that something you like researching? Yeah, I think um, what I was kind of thinking as it started to develop more was we're kind of on the precipice of um, entering into a new phase of technology. And I think artificial intelligence and like maybe, um, you know, life that can be conscious of itself is probably soon to be possible. and. Um, I, I guess my theme was, um, I think all life should be respected, even if it's something maybe that we don't fully understand as life yet. Um, and also, I kind of was thinking about, you know, in the universe, there's probably boundless amounts of life. And they're probably born from things that are so foreign to what we think of as life or organic life. Um, and it was kind of touching on things like that. and also. Be cautious, you know, as we venture in to these new things. Um, I think we always should be cautious, ca cautious, because uh, technology, as we know, and advancements can sometimes have terrible outcomes, like with the atomic and nuclear bomb um, things like that. That it's just, I think we need to tread lightly, um, and not that it is going to be a bad thing, but we need to be aware and conscious of you know, the new things that we're starting to discover. You know, whenever you hear of artificial intelligence and robotics, it's always human, but you don't hear about animals, you know, robotic animals and, yeah. you know, technology merging uh, with the animal kingdom. But when you, when you uh, actually look at this one movie, uh, Clash of the Titans, Ooh. They, they actually had a robot owl in it. Yeah, I love that. The, yeah, and the original one with uh, that Harry Hamlin in it, I think. Harry Hamlin, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I loved the little owl. That was one of my favorite parts of, of that movie. I mean, that's over 40 years ago. They were kind of jumping on the owl robotics before everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you think maybe in one of your next videos you could do an homage to that owl? Oh, that would be that could be really fun. I, funny enough, I actually pulled up pictures of that um, to maybe put on social media sites. God, it might even been like eight or nine months ago. Um, so it's funny that that came up again. That must definitely mean that I need to use something with that. Because it's so distinct as it had like a silver body and gold wings. And his little eyes that were like huge and kind of. Um, like circular. starbursts kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if that's not trippy, I don't know what is. I know, I know. <laughs> well, that'd be cool. I wonder if they still have like those original models, like if they're in a museum or something. I know, I, you would think so. They did do a remake of the movie. It didn't have the owl in it. It was kind of disappointing. Well, I'd be totally disappointed. That would be like doing Star Wars without R2-D2. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, hey, tell me more. So 
I know you've had quite a journey to get to where you are now, and it seems like you're very philosophical. So, like, uh, how much soul searching did you do before you finally said, you know, this project, Space Owl, is going to be my outlet to express myself, to heal myself, and, and to make a connection with people? It seems like it's more than just a music gig for you. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that way. I mean, originally when I started just messing around with music, it was in a way to try to heal me or to have an activity that was healthier than a lot of the ones I partake of and partook of in the past. And um, immediately it helped me kind of be centered and be in the moment. Um, and that is kind of invaluable to me because I struggle with that. Um, and as I started making more, um, and gaining more confidence, I decided yeah, maybe let's give this, you know, a shot and try to make this into a career. You know, you always hear that, you know, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Uh, and, you know, there are those sayings that seem to definitely be true. Um, when I'm making music or the art or anything around it, it doesn't feel like work. It feels, um, enjoyable, cathartic, and um, um, just, to be honest, the most enjoyable activity I've ever, I've ever done. Well, that's one unique thing about doing electronica, as opposed to having a whole band. You know, you can do it all. Do you like the fact you don't have to rely on other people? Like, if you get inspired at one o'clock in the morning, you can just get up and start creating? Yeah, I do love that. I, I mean, there is a part of me that um, longs and hopes in the future to work with other artists because that also is enjoyable. But the freedom of working by yourself um, in the hours that you can do since I have a studio in my house, um, it is great. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night with something in your head and you go downstairs and you can, you know, try to work it out. I'm always, I'm always curious uh, with musicians, what's some stuff you did before you got into music or, or a hobby or, you know, what, what was like your creative outlet before you discovered music? Uh, to be totally honest, I didn't have a lot of healthy ones. Um, I, I, I think uh, a lot of outlets I chose were drinking um, hard drugs at certain periods of time. Um, and that amount of damage that you do to yourself when you do those things are kind of how music is helping me get through it, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. But I, for a job, I'd say the hardest job and most rewarding job I ever had was um, when I was in college, I worked in a home with mentally and physically disabled young adults. Um, and it was really hard, but one of the most rewarding and fulfilling jobs I've ever had. Oh, wow. So what did you learn most from that? Uh, probably patience. Um, the ability to have patience for another human being um, and also to um, empathize and feel grateful for all of the blessings that I have in my life um, and try to, you know, share that with other people i guess do you think that's one thing that stuck with you and influenced your interest in 
artificial intelligence and just the the way that science has, you know gives the promise of healing people's minds and bodies yeah i i think now it's uh kind of splitting in um a lot of the things i'm doing to kind of heal myself are um kind of a lot older than that like been reading um up on like some chinese medicine and uh, been doing um qigong which is like a almost like a meditative practice that um i'm finding to be really helpful so personally in my life i'm trying to wean off a lot of like the western medicines that i'm on and try alternative methods to my maybe get um some relief that way and to be honest i there a lot of them are really really effective i i was kind of shocked mm -hmm. sometimes it's just you going out to the ocean is you know maybe it's a cliche but sometimes just being in nature is su such great medicine oh yeah i definitely agree with that is that why you live there or did you just luck out and, and you were born in that area no, I moved around a lot as a kid, um, and I moved here in eighth grade. And by that time, I had already lived a pretty substantial amount of places. And from the minute I got here, I thought, well, it's going to take a lot for me to leave here. Um, and I went away for college for a little while and came back. And if I'm in the United States, this is this is where I would be, Northern California. Because mm -hmm. people love the best of... The water, the mountains, and the forest. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe it's hard to beat the the just natural beauty that is around. Well, you know, there's such a trend, not just music, but art in general, that people don't always aspire to beauty. And maybe sometimes you have to work through the ugliness of life to get to that better place. But as an artist, do you sometimes just want to say, you know what, I just want to create something really beautiful. I just want to discover beautiful sounds. You know, what, what's your whole aesthetic when you're creating? Yeah, no, I mean, you definitely hit on it. Um, I think it, it, a lot of it is trying to process um, things that I've gone through, some good, some bad, um, and turn them into something like, yeah, beautiful or or something um more healing i guess um you can get lost in, or at least i can i can get lost in my own mind uh, probably have a little bit too much ego tied into myself where i can overthink way too much about me um and a lot of times it helps to just get out of yourself um, and not Mm -hmm. think about yourself and and think about other people or other things mm -hmm. well now you made me remember new age music of the 80s there was a little subgenre, and i'm not even sure if it classifies as music but it was sort of like these healing tapes and they would be like one note it'd be like you know a frequency or a wavelength Mm. And you and you could just sit there, especially if you had headphones on, and listen to it almost like a meditation. Does that yeah. kind of ring a bell? Have you kind of heard of that? Yeah, and definitely. I um, listen to stuff like that now on YouTube. There is a channel called Woke Nation that has um, sounds that are set to certain frequencies. 
and they're finding that different frequencies can have different benefits um, to you. Um, so a lot of times, um, if I'm in the house and I'm not, you know, doing something, I have those on in the background, and they seem to help with my animals as well. Um, and everybody oh. seems to have a more calm energy when when those um, you know sounds and frequencies are being played in the background. I'm actually trying to um, research a lot more about that and maybe try to integrate that into some of the music that I start um, to make. Oh, wow. I remember there were some specific ones like that that would have subliminal messages in the background, like say you wanted to quit smoking. Oh, there are ones you yeah. could listen to. And, and I guess there was a subliminal message that supported being smoke-free. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know that you can, um, with the frequencies and like different sounds and volumes, a lot of times you can do um, um, intentions and things like that. And those, I haven't really ventured into that too much. I am interested, but I've, I've read that there's some uh, good benefits to that as well. And, and aren't, you know, dentists or even, you know, surgeons, you know, using music either in the operating room or when they're, you know, dentist is working on your fillings you know th that is very calming even for people who are under you know just that subconscious music is calming the whole body yeah i i think as um we learn more about it we'll be able to utilize sounds and frequencies to our benefit a lot more um as the future you know unfolds mm -hmm. so you named your ep falling from infinity and, and, and you know the eight in space and also is an infinity sign but what does falling from infinity you know mean to you is this is this like a, a grand theme of you know somehow you know disengaging from infinity uh what does that mean to you uh it was kind of like feeling like i was open to different what would I even say? Um, kind of like, hmm, not frequencies, but different energies that might be around. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, if you really want to uh, freak yourself out, just sit and ponder the idea of infinity for a few hours. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Or the, the size of the universe. And isn't that one of the paradoxes, you know, when you, some people say, if you think of the infiniteness of the universe, it, it circles back to a finiteness. You know, don't <laughs> yeah. they say like a single cell or a single atom, you know, can, can holds its own universe, you yeah, know, as the smallest vast. particle. <laughs> Definitely yeah, as do, vast as the universe. Do you think there are multiple universes? Um, I've looked into a couple of the f physics theories on it and it, it seems like it, it's pretty likely. It seems like, um, my last EP was, um, you know, kind of talking about that. Um, and so when, when you think of science meets music, you know, the obvious thing is when synthesizers came on the scene, and we could have this, you know, fully uh, electronic instrument 
creating sounds we had never heard before, mm. you know, sounds unique to the keyboard. And then when we were able to combine them with computer technology and, you know, MIDI controllers, mm. you know, what stage do you think we're at now? Because 40 years ago, this seemed like really cool stuff. You know, how advanced does it feel to you in 2022? Do you think it's getting intuitive? Do you think we're getting to a point where we can connect our mind to this process without touching it? Ooh. I think we could definitely get there. I think right now what I'm seeing the biggest growth is um, the amount of like virtual instruments and experimental instruments that are coming out. Um, you know, things where people are taking sounds and reversing them and, you know, melding them together and um, basically building more and more sounds and instruments that could be at our fingertips. Um, and now with like, um, it seems like there's a revival in analog synths, um, which is always a cool thing. Um, I love their warmth and, and character. Um, but then we have, you know, digital and yeah, I, I think we're in a, an incredible time for music. Mm -hmm. And I think that if it dovetails with um, our technological advances, I think we could see some, like I said before, some really beneficial things through music. I think sound and frequencies are something that we haven't really tapped into at all the potential that is there. One criticism I've heard of current pop music is that people have been able to distill, you know, those magic, you know, chord progressions. And there are certain sounds, you know, that hit a sweet spot, you know, that makes a song instantly likable and familiar. Hmm. But it's also very narrow, and that's why a lot of pop music sounds the same, because they all use those sweet spots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I can see and do you think that the, that is a drawback? Now we're so sophisticated, we can almost like bring it down to a science how to appeal to consumers' brains just by by hitting something that you know gets that little endorphin rush, but it's not always necessarily melodic or you know um, that musical really. Yeah, I think music has so many you know, functions. I think that, you know, there's so many different kinds of music that all, you know, fit different needs. Um, pop sensibility and pop music, I, I, I have a, I love it. I, I mean, I love all different kinds of music, but there's something about something that just feels easy, that feels familiar, that feels like you know where it's going. And there, there is a need for that. But then there's also the need to feel like you're going on a new journey or on a new experience. And um, I think we have a lot of music right now that's trying to do that as well. Well, do you think as you go deeper into this, that the constraints of the synthesizer, even though, you know, there's infinite possibilities with electronica, is there also something very primal, you know, about the trumpet or, you know, a real live drum or a flute, you know, do you think, is that going to be kind of the, the direction, like the more you get into one side, suddenly, oh, you know, I want to complement that with something non-synthetic. 
Yeah, I definitely can see that. Um, I, um, the way I play um, like MIDI keyboards and synthesizers and stuff like that is very instinctual at this point. Um, I'm trying to learn the more technical things, but a lot is I'm going with like how I emotionally feel and where I feel I should almost move my hands at that time. And I, the way I can do it is I do it in a, uh, I can record it and put it in a loop and that way um, I can kind of mess with it and tweak it. Um, I'm not the musician to be able to play at that um, level on certain instruments. Piano, I do pretty well, but I would love to start messing around with like trumpets. I, I mess around with bass. I love playing bass. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, I feel like um, this is a lifelong journey and I want to learn as many skills about my craft as possible. Um, Mm-hmm. And that excites me. So, yeah, I definitely think at some point I'll try to place that or maybe work with, you know, musicians that um, I can add that to some of the stuff I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been very open about your journey, not just in our conversation, but on your website and social media. And one thing I was really uh, taken by, um, you've survived two comas. You know, you've been on life support. Yeah. Um it almost sounds like you, did you ever do anything approaching like a near-death experience? Yeah, I mean, um, the second coma I was in, um, uh, like my lungs and kidneys failed, and I was in so much pain that um, they gave me a drug to wipe out my short-term memory. So every time I woke up, I didn't know where I was, why I was intubated, why I was um, in the hospital. Um and in that period, there was like some hallucination stuff that went on. It's kind of fuzzy. But yeah, I, I definitely was um, hanging out with death or he, at least he was in the room while, uh, while I was in there. And I think at first I, I couldn't really grasp the, the gravity of the situation. Um, but as time went on, um, it affected me in in some negative ways. I think it gave me um, fear that I didn't have before. Um, I think part of the reason I ended up in two comas was that I, I didn't have a good fear level thing. I just kind of jumped into everything. Um, and that's something that, you know, has lasted and I'm trying to work through. But yeah, I think, I think those experiences definitely shaped, you know, how I perceive the world now. So a drug that wipes out short-term memory, was that a side effect or was that the the main intent of the drug? It was in the intent so that I didn't remember um, the physical pain I was in. Wow. I had no idea a drug like that existed. That sounds like pretty powerful. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely, the weirdest thing was I was intubated, so every time I woke up, it was like, what, what the fuck is in my throat? Um, wow, so like you had a tube down your throat? Yeah, being intubated, probably the worst part of that experience. Yeah. It's, it's so ironic that to treat a drug condition, they administer more drugs to you. <laughs> yeah, Western medicine's kind of a trip. Wow. So when you, you know, came out of all this, you know, it sounds like there was a lot of soul searching. So, 
you know, when you came out of these medical scares and, you know, some of it sound very life-threatening, what was your healing process like, you know, when you kind of said, okay, thankful to be alive, but did you find meaning from that? Or did you think, hmm, do I, am I supposed to, you know, create some meaning out of all this? Yeah, I think honestly, I ran from it at first. I ran from what I learned. I, I went back into the same lifestyle that kind of got me in the situation in the first place. Um, and I kind of just, I think, tried to, you know, not deal with it. Um, but like anything that traumatic, it, it affects you whether you want it to or not. Um, and I basically kind of after you know a little bit of time um away i kind of was able to think about it and that kind of tripped me out when i was able to sit back and think and like jesus that was intense and mm -hmm. uh and to be honest i'm still in the process of trying to uh you know fully maybe heal or you know, figure out exactly what that was all about. But uh, again, that's another thing that music has been able to help me with. That music has been able to open my mind to so many different things uh, that, it, yeah, I, I feel truly blessed by it. Well, on your website, you're very open about sharing how you've felt disconnected from the world. And I'm just curious through music, you know, you're, you're a solitary practitioner, you know, spending a lot of time by yourself composing and recording, but now that the music's out there, what are the ways you can connect with people, whether it's, you know, people leaving, you know, encouragement on social media, are you finding this is giving you, you know, more courage or just more desire to get out there and just be more connected? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, um, it's built a lot of my self-confidence. I mean, I would say just months ago, I probably wouldn't have done this interview. I probably would have had anxiety built up to the moment we had it, where coming up to it, it wasn't too bad. I mean, I worried a little bit, but uh, um, yeah, I, I think I am moving into a place where I'm able to you know, try to do things that before I was apprehensive about. Mm -hmm. Well, what's a way, you know, non-musically that you've made more contact with people and just made more, um, I don't know, what's the word? Just been able to, you know, share in other people's humanity and hear other people's stories of how they got through something. To be honest, uh, since COVID, I haven't had too much interactions with people. Um, I, I Now that it's starting to lighten up more, I am doing more things, you know, outside of my little space. But um, I've kind of just been, I don't know, um, lost in you know, the process of making music. I, I think that uh, it got easy to get into my own groove. Um, and sometimes it, I resist um, 
you know, going out and venturing into the world, I guess. Mm -hmm. I could see you being in like an, like an owl appreciation Reddit thread or something. Oh yeah. I can see that. <laughs> Do you, is there like a little subculture of owl fans? I don't know. I would think so. I mean, they have such a, a lure to them, at least to me. I mean, flightless wings by itself is pretty cool. Or soundless wings, I mean. Oh, there must be like a some some uh, fan page for that owl from Clash of the Titans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Oh, my goodness. See, nowadays there, there's so many subcategories and niches. I could just see some having a podcast dedicated to the owl from Clash of the Titans. <laughs> So, so if you started a podcast, what, what would you make it about? Um, well, let me think. If I had a podcast, the main thing would probably be about um, connection overall, maybe to humanity and to the other life that lives on this planet. Interesting. And maybe as a secondary one, Maybe like um, ghost stories of the redwood forest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what does it feel like there? A lot of people feel a spiritual connection. For for those people, especially not on the West Coast, tell them in a nutshell just what it feels like to walk through the redwood forest. Oh, man, it, it feels um, ancient. Like you can put your hand on a tree that's been there for thousands of years. Um, just a really cool thing. There's um, one of the redwood forests that I go to. They have one that has fallen down and they have uh, the rings in the tree. And it says like what year each of the rings was. And you can go back to, um, you know, forever ago. It's really cool to think that something had been on the planet and seen all of those things um, in its life. Well, when you see like a big stump, you know, where, where you can see the cross section of the tree, yeah. like how wide do those get? They're, they're, they're just huge. Oh God. I mean, this is, I would think some could be, I'm, I'm bad with spatial measures, but like 10 feet. Does that sound right? Maybe more. Yeah. That's Probably big. And, and, People, especially in areas without, you know, big trees, it's just hard to comprehend how huge those are. Yeah, and the ones I have by me, the ones that go, like, really high, it feels like they're trying to touch heaven. Yeah. And isn't there, like, a, a stillness and a quietness? Like, if you're away from the highway part and, and, you know, you're a little more in the isolated part, isn't there just a certain quietness and stillness to it? Yeah, and it's uh, it could be really hot out, but when you're in the redwoods, it's cooler, um, shadier. Um, yeah, and it has just right has such a a powerful feeling, I would say. So, if you did some live recording there, what do you think the acoustics would be like? Hmm. In my studio, I don't know because I uh, everything is pumped in through my computer. Um. I'd probably have to do a little bit of uh, adjusting to to make the acoustics a little better. But for what I'm mixing and mastering, I think it, it 
you know, I, I think it sounds good. Nice. And do they have owls in the redwoods? Uh, I would think so. I think so. That'd be cool. Maybe you, could, maybe you could. Well, if the recording is not what you want, maybe you could just shoot a music video there. Oh, yeah, that would be nice. I go and, to Armstrong and... Woods. It's a redwood forest kind of by me. Oh, cool. So you have easy access. And, and if you can't find any real owls, you could just do a little uh, replica of the Clash of the Titans owl. Just <laughs> glue, glue it on a tree branch. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if an environmentalist saw you like putting glue on a redwood tree? <laughs> yeah. Probably In not California, be. they would just flip out. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's very nice that they preserve it. It's it's really one of the most astonishing places in America. So everyone has to go there at least once. Yeah, and it would be really sad to think that kids wouldn't be able to have the opportunity to see it. Right. So please don't cut down the redwoods. <laughs> please. Well, we're gonna wrap up, have a few more questions, but let's tell everyone where they can find you online. All right, you can find me on, uh, you know, YouTube, Spotify, um, all, all of the social media stuff, um, and iTunes, Spotify. Um, I usually like, um, you know, YouTube or iTunes where you can see the videos um, with the songs. Okay. Well, again, you, you've talked so openly about, you know, so many different things on your website and, you know, very inspiring you know, have you had people come to you or send you an email and say, wow, I'm really inspired by your story. You know, I, I went through, you know, some some drug abuse or, you know, I've been in recovery. And it's so nice to hear someone talk about that. Have you had anyone approach you with that? I haven't, but I don't know how accessible I've been recently. Mm -hmm. Well, now that you're out there as more of a public figure through your music seems inevitable that will happen you know since you share that on your website that, so, that would be so amazing. yeah so you know what would be your words to those people because it seems like part of your recovery has been embracing music and giving yourself you know something to inspire you to fill you know an emptiness that drugs seem to fill in you so what would you tell other people who are struggling um, it's kind of a combination um, of something I'd like to do in the future. Um, if I can be successful enough in music, I would like to spend some of that money to create what I consider to be like um, recovery places where it would be open 24 hours to people that are struggling with, like, say, eating or drugs or things like that. And it would have artistic outlets that they can have, like, say, a music studio, art studio, you know, like... Uh, um, sculpture, clay, things like that, where people can go and kind of process things creatively, um, which has helped me so much. Um, so that's kind of like a dream that I would like to maybe do in the future. Mm -hmm. And can you pinpoint some key individuals in your life, you know, who inspired you during your recovery? I mean, my parents, my support, um, you know, my family. Um, yeah, I mean, so many people in my personal life that 
supported me here in the, the troubling times and are still there now um, as I'm starting to make um, progress. Mm -hmm. So the ones who have seen, you know, this transformation, you know, do you think they appreciate how much music was in this recovery? Yeah, I think most people see it. And then with my musical journey, you know, um, Fred Crosa, Jimmy Renetti, Chris Curry, um, Kirby Crosa, all the people that I get to work with uh, really helped me feel as productive as I could be, which helps me process my personal stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, does it seem like you just have this huge opportunity now and many, many years ahead of you? Like when you kind of stop and think, wow, I'm just at the beginning of this. You know, don't, does it almost feel like you have this new infinity now? Like, wow, I can do anything. Yeah, I mean, the future seems very um, promising. I, I, I feel uh, excited about the future. You know, a lot of times we pick small goals because we think, oh, I don't want to pick anything too big in case it doesn't work. But do you feel like now that you're aiming a little higher and, and your goals are a little bit bigger? Oh, definitely. And I think that all ties into being able to build up your confidence. Um, as I've noticed and had in my life, um, a lot of confidence to like hardly any confidence. It truly changes how the world responds to you and how you perceive the world. Um, so it's something that, you know, it's strange that something like that can have such an effect on almost every other aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. So I normally don't look at Google while I'm talking to people, but I had to look this up. So the name of the bird from Clash of the Titans, the owl, looks like, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Bubo. Oh, yeah. B-U-B-O, Bubo. And this company created the Wacky Wobbler Bobblehead Bubo. <laughs> it's pretty cute. It, you know, it's very simplified, but they made a bobblehead out of that darn owl. Oh, wow. I might need to get that. <laughs> Maybe you could, like, glue it to your dashboard and then the head will bobble as you drive. Well, I already have a bunch of, like, I don't even know what you would call them, owl things in my studio. A little, I don't know, they're not, like, stuffed animals so much, but they're kind of, I don't know. But they'll, have, they'll add, it'll add to my collection. You know those little figures with the little uh, solar panel on top? And you put in the windowsill, and then it moves back and forth? Oh, yeah. I wonder if they have an owl one of those. And that'd be cool. They have to, they better make a Bubo one of those. So yeah. do you think they have like Bubo Halloween costumes? No, they should. <laughs> well, that'd be funny if you made one and just showed up at a Halloween party. <laughs> Definitely be uh, an age group that would know. They'd be like, oh, Bubo. See, whatever studio made that original Clash of the Titans... They need to do a spin-off movie about Bubo. Yeah. Yeah. He was the coolest part of that movie. 
And the best part of it really takes off. Then they could make a Bubo breakfast cereal. <laughs> Bubo marshmallows. <laughs> so what flavor would it have to be, though? Like graham cracker? Oh, yeah. Maybe graham cracker, marshmallow, and chocolate. It could be like a s'more flavor. Yeah. The, oh, that would be good. I don't know how. <laughs> well, in wrapping up, I want to give you the last word here. You know, you, you've been on a journey. You created a really interesting album. I really enjoyed listening to it, Falling from Infinity. And, you know, it takes you on a journey. And, and it really explores lots of, you know, different soundscapes. Um, but to wrap up, I just want you to share, you know, what that felt like to finish it and what you would like people to feel when they're listening to it. Ah, uh, well... As with every EP, when I finish it, it feels very gratifying and satisfying to finish something, um, especially after the art and covers and videos are all done. Um, I want people to feel like they went on a journey and maybe explored thoughts or feelings that they might not have before. And with every song or piece of music that I put out, I want people to feel a connection to me, uh, like I felt to the artists that I listen to when I, well, still to this day. Um, and that part of it um, makes me feel really good about what I'm doing. And how, how would you like people to feel when they're listening to it? You know, what kind of journey do you want them to take? I guess a mix between, um, like a cerebral and an emotional journey, you know, part of it being feeling um, a certain way emotionally, but also opening up um, their minds to maybe something they weren't open to before. Very good. Well, his name is Space Owl with an infinite eight. The current EP is Falling from Infinity with a single and music video, Digital Breathing. Uh, he lives near the ocean and near the Redwood Forest. And if if that's not uh, landscape enough, he, he has an expansive landscape in his mind that I think is creating continuously. Uh, really appreciate you sharing all this. And I think both your music and your story is going to inspire a lot of people. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate you.